new places, new paths, new challenges. We look for adventure and for a tomorrow that asks more of us than today did. We want to hear the wind in the trees. We want to look out across the expanses. We want to take in the beauty around us and find the thrill the average person never does. So we set out to find a better way in our relationships, in our pursuits, and in our faith. Life Trails, take the next step. Last Sunday, we talked about the importance of taking good trails, making good decisions, taking good paths in lives. And we talked a little bit last week about how uh, other people actually affect us as we make those choices. And I was thinking a little bit about that this week, about how different people in my life and in my story have tipped the scales one way or the other when it, when it came to, to making some decisions in my life. For instance, my brother influenced me on where I went to college. And actually, as I look back on that, I don't think his intentions were bad, but that ended up being a bad decision. My sister influenced me to ask out this friend of hers named Kelly. That was a really, really good influence on my life. Uh, there was a family member who in, in, influenced me to invest in a re real estate fund. Uh, that was a, a bad influence on my life. Uh, two friends in, in, influenced me to go back to college and to get my master's degree, and that actually was a good influence on my life. Two other friends influenced me to take a kayak over a dam on the Penobscot River. That was really bad because I almost drowned that day. There was a youth speaker at a uh, retreat that I went to that influenced me to read my Bible every day. My wife influenced me to hike the Highline Trail, and you can decide whether that was a good or a bad influence, but the truth of the matter is that we are all influenced by people that we sometimes call influencers, but really I think we could just call them people, because that's what people do, and that's what we do as people. We influence and we are influenced, and we are all susceptible to it. And when you think about it, our world is really all in on this idea of influence, whether it is the media and what you're watching on TV or what's coming up on, on your computer screen or, or social media and, and the different accounts that you may follow on your phones and its parents and its neighbors and its friends and its teachers and its strangers and everybody everywhere, it seems like, wants to tell me what to buy or where to go, or what to do, or how to think, and everybody is trying to influence me, and everybody is trying to influence you. But my point in, in this morning in, in saying all that is not for you to be aware of the influences in your life, although I think you should. My point is to remind each of us of the fact that we are influencers. In fact, that's what God made us to be. In fact, that's when we are at our best is when we are influencing people as God wants us to influence people. And as a Jesus follower, one of our primary, if not our primary objective as we walk on the planet Earth is to influence people. 
So the question is not, are you an influencer? You are. The question is, what kind of influencer are you? Are you an influencer for good, moving people in good directions? Or are you an influencer for bad and in, in not moving people in good directions? But how can we become better influencers? And when's the last time you really stopped and thought about that? You know, I have influence and I need to make sure that I'm using it well and, and being intentional about it. How can we be better influencers? Well, the good news is that the Bible has an answer for us. And so we want to look at a passage of scripture today that's pretty common, pretty well known. In fact, if I said we're going to talk about influence and being a good example and all this kind of thing, and, and you had to pick out a passage, you, this one would probably come to mind. It's found in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, and I want to invite you to turn with me there this morning. And it's a great passage. Jesus said this. So we're going to dive in, and we're going to study this a little bit this morning because I think it's going to help us to understand not just this idea of influence, but to help us understand what he wants for us when it comes to being an influencer and how by taking steps in this direction, we're actually going to take a trail in life that's going to give us a lot of joy and blessing and meeting. And so we turn to the Sermon on the Mount, most, Jesus' most famous discourse. Um, probably was in a valley, stood there as people were seated up the mountain in, in probably an amphitheater type setting there. And, and he delivered this and he talked about all kinds of different things. But sometimes this passage, three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, sometimes it's called the Kingdom Manifesto. And the reason it's called that is because Jesus, when he stood up and presented this to the people sitting there, he was saying, hey, I'm, I'm the king, and this is what my kingdom looks like. It operates on different rules, and it operates on different principles from what you're used to. And so as he presents this, he actually shares things that are countercultural. And so it's like, this is what you're used to hearing, or this is what you're used to experiencing, but as he shares these things, he tells them something where they would have stopped and gone, oh, that's not like what I'm used to. Oh, that's different. Oh, let me think about that for a minute. And I think that is the case as you go through this whole thing. And I think that is the case here, although it doesn't seem quite as obvious. So let's read it here. Verse number 13 is where we're starting. He says, you are the salt of the earth. First of all, who's you? He's talking to all these people here. Basically, if you're going to be my follower... You're going to be the salt of the earth. And so he uses this metaphor. And there's some debate here. Is he talking about salt as far as a preservative? I don't personally think so. Or is he talking about salt as a flavor agent, like you would put on food? I would lean in that direction. I think before we're done this morning, you'll understand why I think that. But he introduces us to this idea of influence. When he says you're the salt of the earth, it's a metaphor to say, hey, you should be bringing flavor to people's lives. You should be having an influence on people. He goes on and says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything. That's a strong statement, isn't it? No longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And so it sounds a little harsh, but he's saying, hey, this is what your role is. This is what you should be doing. And if you're not doing this, well, it actually says it there. You're good for nothing there except to be discarded. Then he goes on in verse number 14 and adds a second metaphor. He says, you are the light of the world. And he gives two examples here. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. 
And so this is just like how salt makes food taste better. Light just makes life better. Yeah, I don't know, you know, we're so used to living in our electric society that, that we just flip on light switches, and, and boy, does it make our life better. Uh, with the storms that we had this week, I forget, was it Monday or Tuesday night, the power went out at our house at about 11 o'clock at night, and, you know, no big deal, we're going to bed, right? Except at 6 o'clock in the morning when you're getting up and trying to get ready for work, it is kind of a big deal, especially when your bathroom has no windows anywhere. And uh, so you're scrounging around the house trying to find your, your flashlights, things like that. And we're reminded of the fact that light makes a huge difference in our lives. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you need to be like salt, making the world better by bringing flavor to it. You need to be like light, making the world better by bringing an illumination to it. And then he concludes by saying this, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And this all seems pretty straightforward to me. In fact, this doesn't seem all that countercultural. In fact, it seems like, well, it's just kind of obvious, isn't it? I mean, we say this to our kids, eh? you know, help be up people at school today or be kind to others. And, and we try to do that. We, you know, kind of uh, look out for people or we try to steer them in the right direction. I mean, if somebody comes and asks you for directions, you don't say, ah, you know, I'm going to tell them this way, even though it's this way, just for fun here. You know, we look at that and go, well, obviously here, we, we're supposed to be good examples in life. And yet, what Jesus is saying here is actually countercultural, even if it doesn't seem that way. And let me just point out three ways that this passage and what these people were hearing would have been very different from the culture of that day, and it's still different from the culture of our day today. The first thing is this, Jesus is saying my kingdom is about benefiting others and not self. My kingdom is about benefiting other people and not self. Why did he say, you are supposed to be doing good deeds so that they, for other people so they see your Father in heaven and glorify him? And what he's saying here is don't be a person who's about saying, follow me, support me, buy my product, um, you know, help me out get behind my cause, what he's saying here is be a person who's about finding other people and making them your cause. How can I help you? How can I steer you in the right direction? Or how can I support and benefit you? And so the, that means that it changes my purpose for living. My purpose for living is not going to be about me and getting people to follow me. My purpose in living is going to be about getting people to follow Jesus, but it's going to be about those people. So it changes my purpose for living, and this is important. Because each one of us has value that we would say is intrinsic, or we would say that we have worth, and that's because we are created by God and we're God's children, universally. And so every person has value in life because of those things. But what we're talking about here is we're not talking about value, we're talking about purpose. And so when we live our lives influencing other people for good and for God, then that brings purpose and fulfillment into our stories. And so we always have value, but as we live this out, we find, and as we focus on other people, very countercultural, we find that it gives us fulfillment in life. And then it changes our approach to life. How many people do you think got out of bed this morning, put their feet on the floor, and said, wow, I wonder how many people, or excuse me, I wonder how I can make this world a better place for people today? I didn't. 
And yet, if we really understand what Jesus is saying, that's what we should be getting out of bed every morning and saying, okay, how can I influence my world here for good and for God? And so he's saying my kingdom is different because it's not about me. If you're going to be part of my kingdom, you can't be about yourself. My kingdom is different is because it's about the other people around me. But he's not just saying here's how my kingdom is different here. And I think this is really important because what I think Jesus is saying here is not only here's just the facts of it, he's actually giving a strategy. Because when Jesus came, he established his kingdom and it's still advancing today. But Jesus brought the kingdom at that time and he set up a strategy and the strategy was to advance this to the world through time till he comes back again through his followers and through his believers. And what Jesus is doing here, I believe, is he's saying, here's my strategy for advancing the kingdom. And so it's the second point here is this. My kingdom is about influence and not about force. Now think about this. If we go back through history, when, when a kingdom wants to expand itself, how do they do it? Well, you get together an army, right? And then you go wherever to the neighboring country or across the, the ocean or whatever. And then you come in and you conquer it. And so you come in with your army. You come in with your weapons. And you come in by force and you subdue the people there. That's culture. And kingdoms advance by force. And we still see that today. How many people try to advance their kingdoms by means of force? Or we could say by means of coercion, or by means of mandate, or by means of intimidation, or by means of manipulation, or by means of legislation. And we see this in our world, that I'm going to win by imposing my power on you. And this is why we have political battles going on. We get one side that's like, we think this is the way the kingdom should be, so we're going to impose this on you. And the other side is like, no, 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 it should be this way, so we're going to impose this on you. And it's no, it's no wonder that we have friction, isn't it? B because we're, we're in, a, in a power play constantly. Sometimes kingdoms try to advance via persuasion. Like, you know what, we're going to try this a little more subtly. We're not going to overwhelm you, we're just going to kind of like... We're going to maybe indoctrinate you, or we're going to argue with you, and we're going to give you some great arguments here for you to think about, or, or maybe we're going to throw this philosophy out here, or, or maybe we're even going to, we're going to use some desensitization and just keep exposing you to this thinking until you finally come to accept it. And it's much more subliminal, if that's a good word, and they try to advance a kingdom that way. But Jesus isn't about that either. He's not about force, and he's not even about persuasion. He's about something different here. He's about the word I'm going to use here. He's about influence. And what Jesus is saying, and I think this is really, really, really important to us, is this. My kingdom is not about running you over. It's about winning you over. And as we advance the kingdom of Jesus in our world, it's not about running people over. It's about winning people over. And I think we need to think about that in our world. Because sometimes I think we get distracted and we think as the church, the best way that we're going to influence our world is by, by 
throwing out here our agenda and insisting that everybody follow it. It's just not the Jesus plan. The Jesus plan is like, let's live this out and let's practice this thing called influence and let's see what kind of impact that it has. Now, we get this as a parent, how control is one thing and influence is a different thing. Remember when your kids were little, you know, eat your, eat your vegetables or, or go to bed or, or say you're sorry to your sister or whatever it is. And we have the power. But as our kids get older, we realize that we're losing control and power and we have to move to what? Influence. And so we start saying, hey, have you thought about this? Or, you know, something that you might consider here. And you hope that maybe they come and they ask for some advice, but you have a different role here. And I think this is what Jesus is saying here. Here's the world. Let's control you. Let's legislate this. Let's make a a, a decree here. And Jesus is like, that's not going to work very well. In fact, we're going to resort to this thing over here called influence. Much softer, much more gentler, much kinder, and much more effective. Well, there's a third thing here that I think is is countercultural too, and it's this Jesus is saying, My kingdom is about action, but not aggression. My kingdom is about action, but not aggression. And the idea is if you go back and you look at this whole Sermon on the Mount, especially you start with the, the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Hey, blessed are the, the poor in spirit, or blessed are the meek, or, or blessed are those who are persecuted, and, and those who have people say, false things about them, and you read other places, you know, you're supposed to turn the other cheek, and, and it sounds like a very wimpy, very um, passive, kind of like, oh, just take your blows, because that's what my kingdom is about, just like, just deal with it, and try to do the best you can, and hopefully you don't get hurt too bad, that's not the point, and that's not where Jesus is trying to go, but he is saying this, hey, when those things happen in life, don't react, instead respond and respond pro- proactively. So you don't need to be uh, about um, aggression and insisting on your way, but you can be about taking steps. For instance, you can bless the person who persecutes you. You can pray for the person who uses you. You, you can not just turn your cheek to the person who slaps you. You can actually take your coat and you can offer it to that person. And so he says, hey, if you would take these types of steps the world will be a better place where people will be influenced for my kingdom. In fact, we see this played out. Jesus is arrested in the garden. Peter jumps up, grabs his sword, and does what? And cuts off this guy's ear. That's aggression. And Jesus says, Peter, put your sword away. That's not how we're going to do business. And he reaches over and he takes one of his attackers He takes that ear and he puts it back on that guy's head and heals him. And he says, this is how we're going to do it. And he moves to an entirely different model here. And that is totally countercultural. So how do we employ this strategy then that, that Jesus is encouraging us to use if we're going to reach our world for good and for God? Well, we do that by becoming influencers. And by influence, let me just define this so we're all talking about the same thing. An influence is simply the idea of having a positive impact on somebody else's life, making their life better, especially spiritually and especially steering them towards God. But what Jesus is saying here is if you want to be my follower, you need to be 
an influencer. If you want to be my follower, you want to be my influencer. And so let me just give you four ideas here this morning about how we can be the right kind of influencers in our world. The first thing is this. Realize that influence is the expected pursuit of every Jesus follower. When we read this verse, it doesn't say you are the salt of the earth or you should be the salt of the earth or I command you to be the salt of the earth. It says what? It says you are the salt of the earth. It's just a statement of fact. And you are the light of the world. Again, you know, not an instruction, just a statement of fact, which means that you are an influencer. Everyone of us in this room today, we are all influencers as Jesus followers. The question is, what kind of influence are we? But we don't get to say, well, that's not for me. And this is why I said early, our primary earth purpose as Jesus followers is to be influencers. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and then love your neighbor as yourself. And what's the best way to love your neighbor? By doing good towards them and for them and leading them back towards that relationship with God. Jesus said it here in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so if you look at this and say, well, that's not really for me, this influence thing. Jesus is saying, if you want to be my follower, I'm talking to you. And so that's good for all of us this morning. The second thing, though, and I think this is really important, is influence is not, is active, excuse me, not passive. And I used the word aggressive earlier, but let's add this word passive here. But let's, identify, let's like develop this a little bit more. It's just a strategy. It's not just to sit back and say, okay, let's just you know, let's ride, ride with the current and, and don't make waves here. It's actually saying push back, but here's how. Now, first of all, let me say this, though. It's about more than example. And a lot of times we in church say, okay, you need to be the salt of the earth and you need to be the light of the world, and so you need to live as a great example to the world. And so you need to do all these things, and you need, you know, we have our list of all of our really righteous activities that we're supposed to do, and if we'll just do those things, everybody's going to look at us and go, oh, wow, I want to be just like that. Not. Have you noticed that? Like, you go to work, and you really try to do the right thing, and instead of, like, being, you know, people admiring you, they're, they're criticizing you behind your back, because example is not enough in the situation. And it needs to go beyond that because for impact, or excuse me, for influence to have impact, it needs to go beyond this, this thing, well, oh, nice, I see that. It needs to go actually to a touch point. And that would lead to the second point here, and it's a little out of order on your outline, but you can get it. Influence happens at the point of contact. Salt is really no good to food unless it's put on the food and touches the food. If you have your food sitting here on the plate and put salt over here, it doesn't make your food taste any better. It, light is really only good as it goes to the darkness. Now, if I, we're, we got light in here, and if I, you know, if I turn the light on in here, it's not going to help a whole lot. It's when I go into, into the closet or downstairs or wherever it is that it brings light. And so influence happens at the point of contact. 
And sometimes we're just like, you know, well, I'm going to be an influence, so I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to separate myself from all this out here, and I'm just going to be what I should be, and people are going to look at that and go, oh, I should be that way too. It's not going to happen. Because we need this point of contact of like, okay, my life touches your life, and we're going to have impact or influence right here. But it's interesting, what's going to make that effective? And what does it tell us here? It says, so that they see not your example, but so that they see your good deeds. And not necessarily your good deeds of righteousness, but your good deeds of love and compassion and caring and generosity and forgiveness and peace and kindness. And so that leads us to this point here. If we're going to have influence... We've got to be engaged in good deeds. It's not about letting our righteousness shine, and that's fine, but it's about taking our love and stepping into people's stories and actually making it happen. Well, the third thing here that we see from this is that influence is both collective and individual. It's interesting that Jesus uses two examples when he gets to light. He uses the city on the hill which could have meant um, the city, and a lot of times in, in, in the, the eastern world there, they, they would reflect the sunlight. And so you could look off in the distance and you say, oh, there's a city because the sun's light is reflecting. It might have meant that, you know, at night, you know, city lights up so you could use that to find your way home. But the idea is somehow it's a group of people that's providing the illumination. And so that's one side of it's collective. On the other side of it, though, is this lamp that you put on a lampstand. It's the basic idea of taking a candle and setting it somewhere in your room where it's going to have the most impact. So you would carry a single lamp into a dark room, set it up there on the place where it's intended to be, and that brings light, and that's individual. It's, it's supposed to be a mixture of those two things. So as a church, we collectively influence, but as individuals who are part of the church, we individually influence as well. Well, Shelby mentioned it earlier in the morning here that we're going to be visiting with Heather Askew, and this is going to be kind of fun. So we're going to get Heather Askew up on the screen. Heather right now is currently in, uh, in Thailand. Thailand? That's a funny way to say it, isn't it? In Thailand. And uh, she is working with Jojo Sanctuary, and we'll get her up here. We tested this all out before the service, and it worked perfectly. So we're going to, we're going to hope that it does well there. There you see Heather. She's actually been watching the service the entire time, too, Hi. from the back there. So you want to wave to Heather? She can't see you. She's sitting from back there, okay? So you have to turn <laughs> around and wave. But Heather, if you would, if you would uh, tell us, uh, introduce yourself. you got some people there with you. And we want to hear a little bit about your story and what's going on with, with JoJo Sanctuary. And maybe along the way, I'll, introduce, I'll interrupt you with a question or two. Okay. Hi, everyone. I hope you're all doing well. Uh, so we're in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and this is Mimi, who is our counselor at Jojo Sanctuary. And this is Donut, like the breakfast food. Uh, and she was working with um, helping reintegrate kids from orphanages back into um, their biological family or into a foster family. So uh, there are two newest additions to our team. Um, and uh, a little about background about Jojo Sanctuary. We started five years ago and we are named uh, in honor of a little boy named Jojo 
who uh, was a little boy that I knew. Um, he's some missionary friends of mine. It was He was their nephew. And he actually died as the results of child abuse. So at the he died right at the same time we were founding our organization. So we wanted to name it in honor of him so that we would uh, always remember that we're you know, fighting for the rights and safety of, of children um, in our community. And um, I'm gonna share with you guys my screen so you can see some of the cases we're working on now. Your church is being so generous to help us with our citizenship um, arm of our work. There's a lot of, uh, oh, actually it says that I can't share my screen. So hang on a sec. <laughs> uh, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of families here who uh, don't have citizenship of any state or any group. Um, and that means that they are really at risk of not being able to have um, education or be able to own property or have health access to health care. So we help families who are in that situation to be able to get their citizenship rights. Um, if they were born in Thailand, they really should have access to those things. But a lot of times they are denied that because they just didn't file paperwork properly. So here's some cases that we uh, finished this year. Um, last year and this year, it's been slow because of COVID. So it's been a lot uh, slower of a process, but this is um, Esther, one of the kids in our family strengthening program. She got her card this year. Uh, hers was like the easiest case ever. Um, she had all her paperwork in order, so that was not hard. This is uh, Sunboon's family and their daughter and son. We helped them both get their cards last year. Uh, and then we had two families that were in this a town called Fong. It's about four hours from Chiang Mai. And they uh, have been working for many years trying to get their kids their citizenship cards. And there's a lot of extortion that happens from village chiefs that have to file and sign the paperwork. And so they paid a lot of money and this should be a free process. So it's very frustrating, but finally this year, uh, Mock's son got his ID card and another woman that we know named Pam, her grandson got his ID card. So it was very exciting. Um, it's been several years of the process and they finally got their, their cards and they didn't end up having to pay thousands and thousands of dollars that they didn't have because we were able to um, work with the government directly to um, provide that assistance. Uh, Moy also got her card after six years, I think of trying. And then we have uh, quite a few cases still in progress this year. Um, so Mock's older daughter is over 15. So we're still waiting on her card to come through. It takes a lot longer once you hit age 15. That's just the arbitrary number that they give you for making it more difficult. And then after 21, it's even more difficult still. So we try to get kids um, in as soon as possible to get their paperwork filed. Uh, and then this family is a, fam a mom who has four kids and we're trying to get the mom her citizenship and then every all the kids will get theirs automatically after that. So we're, that's in process as well. Uh, Wendy, we're actually, this is something, if you guys could be praying for this case, that would be great. We're going up September 30th to do interviews with um, three witnesses. And if the, if the citizenship bureau person believes all the witnesses, then he will assign her or he'll put her name into the system to get um, her identity card number. 
And if not, then they're going to need to do a DNA test with her mom, which is a few hundred dollars and then takes about another year added to the process. So you guys could pray that the interviews go well and she gets her name in. That, that would be great. That's September 30th this month, um, which will be the 29th for you guys. Uh, and then Fa is another case we have in Fang. Hers is quite complicated um, because she was separated from her. She, she didn't grow up with her uh, biological family. So we're trying to track down paperwork and all that stuff to get uh, that filed. Uh, she's also in college now. We're sponsoring her college, uh, her college tuition so she can go to school. Um, if you don't have citizenship, you're not eligible to get loans, grants, or scholarships from the school or the government. So we provide that to kids who are um, wanting to go to college uh, and don't have their ID card yet. And then Ying, who's one of my foster kids, she just graduated from college and we're working on her case. Uh, October 12th, next month, we'll be going up to um, apply for that again. So prayers on that day would also be helpful. And then this is a family, another family that's in a place called Mei Fa Luang, which is about six hours from Chiang Mai. Um, they, another family with four kids and the mom um, was having trouble getting her citizenship paperwork filed. So we've got mom, her citizenship, and now we're in the process of getting the four kids, um, their cards finished as well. Uh, and we have a day to go finish their cards up, I believe the end of October. So those are some cases you guys can be praying for. Um, we very much appreciate the support for citizenship. It's um, one of the hardest things for us to raise funds for. So um, it actually makes it a lot easier. We just are taking on maybe four or five other cases from kids who used to be in our after school program. Uh, so uh, we have a lot of work going on with the citizenship program right now. So yeah, that's, that's my, my quick spiel about that if you have any questions. Well, I'm going to be the only one who can answer, ask questions, so I'll try to anticipate that. So you're, you're dealing with three or four different things. This family agency, you're, you're working with family support, you're working with uh, school kids and getting them into uniforms, and then this is like a third, a third branch of, of what you're doing here in trying to get these kids to citizenship, right? Right. We okay. also do foster care as well for emergency cases. Okay. And uh, <laughs> so, no, that, that's good. And so um, for each case that you have here, roughly how much is that costing to get a kid a, a citizenship uh, card? Generally, we have to go to their home village where their birth was registered. Um, and so it depends on where they're located. So for... If the, like this family here in Meifaluang, that's six hours away. So we generally have to rent a vehicle and stuff. And we usually go about, it takes about eight visits for one case. And so each time we go, it's about $100 round trip for to cover gas, food, transportation for witnesses, paying, um, paying for gas for like the, the village chief to come sign the paperwork, all that kind of stuff. So it's about between $800 and $1,000 per case over the course of the case. Um, and then if the kids need, or need to get their DNA tested with their parents, sometimes uh, if they were put in an orphanage early on, the orphanage doesn't write the parent's name on their card when they register them. And so then we have to do a DNA test to prove who their parents are. So that's an, about $350 
additional. So around between $800 and $1,300 per case. So we as a church, you didn't realize this, um, last year we supported with a couple of cases, I think, um, just over the, the course of the summer here, we had some uh, monies left in our, in our fund for uh, outreach, and so I think we, we sent some money that helped with that. But then we're also um, committed to this next year uh, to supporting them financially as well. But that's something that you can do individually too. So let me ask this question here. How did you, how did you get into this, Heather? Uh, this is not like your normal career path for an American uh, kid. Oh, it's so long, sorry. Okay, short version is I grew up in Washington State. I moved to LA after college. I worked in the film industry for 10 years. And then my church came on a short-term mission trip to Thailand to work in an after-school program. And I ended up going from never having any desire to go to Thailand to being in love with Thailand. And uh, yeah, moved here in 2011. Um, and I worked at the after-school program for a few years. Then I worked as a social worker for Hug Project, which works with child victims of trafficking and sexual abuse for a few years. And then some of my Thai colleagues from the after-school program and I, uh, we wanted to start this to kind of address sort of gaps in services that we saw. There's a lot of NGOs, a lot of Christian organizations in Chiang Mai, but no one that we knew was working directly with kids without citizenship to make sure they could study all the way through college and to make sure they were um, having access to healthcare and, and getting their citizenship taken care of. And then also the foster care thing was just in its very, very early stages when we first started. So yeah, so we sort of were trying to plug these little gaps we saw. Now, I, I didn't catch the one name. One name with you there is, is Donut, is that right? This is Donut. <laughs> okay, and I didn't catch the other name. That's Mimi. Okay, and can t tell us what, what, what their role is. Oh, so Mimi is our counselor. She just started with us in July, right? Yes, but we were together for years at Hug Project, so we knew each other before. Um, she graduated from Wheaton, which is not very far from you guys, so she did her master's in counseling at Wheaton. And then Dona just graduated with her master's in, what is your master's in? Spiritual, she just graduated from seminary, whatever that master's is. <laughs> and, uh, and she uh, just started with us in August. Okay, so I didn't realize this. One, one of your partners there went to Wheaton in the counseling program, and I have a daughter at yes. Wheaton right now in the counseling program. So she's just oh, following you. Yeah, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Didn't even know that. So, well, I, I appreciate you all joining us here this morning, and this is just good for our church, but I thought this is such a great example, isn't it, of what it means to be salt and light. As a high school kid, you go to a, a missions trip, and he's like, wow, there's this need in the world here, and maybe I can step in and do something, and, and I don't know, 10 years later or whatever, you, you've got this ministry going, and, uh, and we want to be a part, but I thought... This is such a great, you know, example, but touch points too, right? And uh, so you can actually know her. And, and if you want to connect with Heather, it's not that hard. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? What, what time is there right there, right now? Uh, it's 11 at night on Sunday. 11 at night. So how was today? Did it work out okay? Has it been, yeah. a, good, been a good day? So, I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of looking forward to it. So we're, we're hoping you can tell us it's going to be okay. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah, with a, and I appreciate that because they're up very late making this possible for us. So thanks so much, Heather, for, for uh, 
for visiting with us and for, for uh, your two partners there too. We appreciate what you're doing, how you're shining the light of Jesus in a place that really, really needs it and making a difference in people's lives. So we'll let you go back there and uh, we'll, we'll get you off the screen and I'll finish up. But thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you guys. God bless you. Well, let me just finish with one point here this morning as we wrap up. And uh, we had a great time visiting with her as our, as our outreach team earlier. And I was like, oh, I th- we're, we're going to love her. And, and for the next year, we're going to be partnering with JoJo Sanctuary. And we'll be sending funding so that they can do more of these, these projects. And, and the hope is that this builds inroads with families so that we can actually show Christ. But here's the last point. Influence is about you finding your lampstand. And we talked about the idea uh, of cities on hills, and, and we want to be that kind of church. But I want to encourage you to be that kind of person who's taking light into the darkness somewhere in your world. Now, you don't have to go to Thailand, and you don't have to make your career path to be helping undocumented kids get their citizenships in, in their own native country. But it might mean that you need to go into your neighborhood, or it might mean that you need to go down to Oakland Hope, or it might mean that, that you need to to do something with Grayson, or it might mean that you need to do something at your workplace or at your school. But the idea is that we need to find our lampstands because we are to be influencers. It's not an option. It's an expectation. And we need to be good influencers who take the light of Christ. And here's what I think is, is worth thinking about is we take the light of Christ. We're the light of the world, but that's not really true, is it? It's that Jesus is the light of the world, and we take his love, and we take his forgiveness, and we take his gospel to the world, and that's the light that we take, and that's, that's important, but that means that we need to have a faith that's real to us, and if our faith isn't real to us, it's going to be really hard for us to be influencers, so we have to back it up to start with to say, okay, how real is my faith, and is my faith real enough that it compels me to be this light in the world? But then as we do that, it's a great reminder to us that we're not out here on our own. In fact, when we're doing what God's business is, we have God's spirit behind us, and we have God's light within us, and we have God's power working in us and through us. So the question for each of us here this morning is, what's my lampstand? Where do I need to be a light? And maybe it's something... And maybe God's given you a person that just comes to mind immediately. It's like, oh, this person I work with, that's where I have to be an influencer. Or maybe it's somebody in your family, that's, maybe even extended family, like, you know what? I need to reach out right here because I need to be an influence in this person's life. Or, or maybe it's somebody that you go to school with and you're like, you know what? That's the person right there where I need to be a lamp. But if... If this is true, what Jesus is saying here, that you are the light of the world, is we all have these opportunities, and we need to be intentional about them. So let me just give you a couple of things here that, that might be helpful to you um, today as we conclude. Uh, next week, Samantha Lamb and, and uh, Scott Lindbergh will be joining us from Waterford Schools. And we want to be an influence there, too. We want to be an influence at Grayson School. We want to be influence. We want to be the light on the hill uh, to teachers there. In the lobby, you'll find these out after the service. It's a, it's, you can tell what it is. It's a Tupperware tub. And in the name of it, in the name of it, in the tub, 
is the name of one of the teachers at Grayson. And what I would like to encourage you to do is you can grab one or two or three or how many of these you want and fill them with cookies. I doubt you could even fit a dozen cookies in there. Maybe you could. Fill them with cookies and write a note to the teacher whose name is on there. Teaching this past year has been tough, hasn't it? And it's gotten a little bit easier, but it's still a tough thing. And to say, hey, you know what? Welcome back. We're glad that you're here, part of our community. Thank you for serving in this way. We want to cheer you on. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. We want you to know that we're behind you. And you can be an influence, not just in general by bringing in cookies, but you can write that little note, and you can be an influence to the person whose name is on that. And I would encourage you to do that. In two weeks, we're going to do our kickball event. We're going to, it's for charity. We'll be collecting money that we'll buy for shoes that we can send to kids. Or you can just bring in shoes that are, that are basically athletic shoes for kids that haven't been used, either new or basically unworn, and we'll make sure that they get to kids who, who don't have proper footwear. And that's another simple way that you can be a light in the world. And you don't have to be a kickball player to contribute to that. You can contribute just financially to it, or you can bring in some shoes here to church, and we'll make sure where we're going. JoJo Sanctuary, we're supporting them as a church, but you can support them as individuals too. It costs a lot of money to do what they're doing. And I'm sure that Heather's not sitting on a nest egg now and just pulling out the necessary funds when she needs it. She's sacrificing and scrimping herself to make this happen. But maybe you look at this and say, you know what? I want to do this. And, and you know what Heather will do? She'll give you the name and the kid and the picture and the face and say, here's who. Here's who your contributions are going to. So you can do more than just pay for them. You can pray for them. And you can actually be engaged with those kids in those situations as well. But it's also your personal world. But the idea is that we are to be lights in our world. So let me just wrap up with this one last radical idea this morning as we conclude our service. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, help us to understand how radical and countercultural this is and how necessary because we need your gospel to transform our world. And we don't need to impose our morality on the world. We need your spirit to transform hearts. And so, God, I ask and I beg that you would give us this heart and this passion to be the influences that you meant us to be, not just by example, but by life contact and where we do good deeds and say good words so that we can share the good news. Dear Jesus, please, please, please give us that passion and that commitment. And so as we pause at the end here, just in the quietness of the moment, what type of response do you need to make to what Jesus said? Or to what the Spirit's saying to you right now?
So Heavenly Father, remind us often this week of the importance of influence and the role that you've given us to be salt and light in this world. And we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Thanks so much for joining me. I hope you've had a great time this morning, that you've been impacted by the worship. And uh, those songs are two of the songs that get in my head, and I just sing them all week long. And uh, so I'll be singing them and, and excited about that. And uh, a great time getting into the Word and meeting Heather. Here's what it is, folks. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Go out and make a difference. You're dismissed.